You've seen the big plays. Jaron stepping to his right, looking, looking, stopping, firing, end zone, touchdown! You've heard what the playmakers and coaches have had to say. Up for a three, got it! But now it's time to go behind the mic with BYU Sports Broadcasters to get their distinctive take on the games. Oh, what an aggressive play! This is Behind the Mic with host Cleon Wall. We're here to bring you the unique insights and stories from the BYU Sports Broadcasters who cover the Cougars and from the Cougars themselves. The partisan crowd inside the Marriott Center was fairly muted Monday evening as the clock slowly ticked down. In a weather-delayed makeup game, the BYU women's basketball team could not get enough offensive or defensive momentum to overcome a double-digit lead the Portland Pilots had built early in the first half. The public address announcer asked fans to give an ovation to the two seniors playing their last game inside the arena. The crowd obliged, but for Cougar fans, the only other aspect of the game that was worth cheering was when Lauren Gustin broke the team's single-season rebounding mark. And a streamline will dribble it out. BYU TV's Spencer Linton and Kristen Kozlowski signed off for the last time in the regular season. Goodbye, we'll see you next time. That next time would be Thursday for the opening round of the West Coast Conference Tournament. For 13 years, BYU TV has covered both men's and women's basketball games for the conference, and this would be their last go-around. In today's episode, we'll talk to the talking heads and the people behind the camera about producing this television product for the final time. The Marriott Center was packed on March 5, 2011. The Cougars were taking on the Wyoming Cowboys in the final game of the regular season. A number one seed in the Mountain West Conference Tournament was on the line. Jimmer Fredette was playing his final regular season game as a Cougar. And he didn't disappoint. Inside the timeline. Now Jimmer to the high pick. Double comes to Jimmer. Turns around, shoots, and scores. Wow! Jimmer! Fredette torched the Cowboys for 38 points in the victory. But BYU TV was covering a different game at the same time in Las Vegas. West Coast Conference basketball brought to you by... Santa Clara was battling Loyola Marymount in day two of the West Coast Conference tournament. BYU TV had struck a deal to broadcast the first two days of the tournament the year before the Cougars moved to the West Coast Conference. Jerem Jordan was part of the first crew. So it's been a minute. Uh, This is our 13th tournament, and it's been really fun to put on. It's been a ton of work. I would say it's the hardest thing that we do all year. But it's awesome because we are built for this. And in the Big 12, certainly our role will change a little bit. And I don't imagine we'll be asked to do anything like this again. But it's been really fun. We've been a critical piece of the West Coast Conference. And when it comes to basketball, they don't have football. Just San Diego and BYU. So this is the crown jewel showcase of the league. Back in 2011, then-conference commissioner Jamie Zaninovich welcomed BYU TV with open arms. Uh, It was really uh, Tom Homo and, and the folks at BYU. Uh, TV that came to us and said, hey, why don't we start a year early? And it looks like you're putting these uh, non-ESPN games on regional sports networks as it is, and might that be a place where we could start? And as soon as we heard that, uh, we worked very quickly to make it happen. I think it's a it's a great start to the relationship. It's a great uh, first foot forward for BYU as part of the West Coast Conference. Did the West Coast Conference ever have any reservations about having BYU TV do this just because it's BYU, and it's just like, well, you're going to favor your own team. Did, did they ever have any reservations before they said, yeah, we're, we'll sign on to do this? I think once they saw how we broadcast the games and that we we're more than fair to the opponent, that no. Um, perhaps they did. I guess I can't speak exactly on that, but we've tried to be as professional as we are during the regular season. I think people have appreciated that uh, that content. Zaninovich hoped that BYU TV would help augment 
and compliment what the conference was doing when it came to national exposure. And Jerem said that's exactly what happened. It's expanded to where it's on regional sports networks and the WCC network and so on. And so certainly we understand, hey, there's a lot of different parties sinking into this. We're not gonna, we don't even say we on the air anyway. That'll slip out into BYU Sports Nation for me sometimes, but not in a game. And uh, obviously we see the world through the BYU lens, but when it comes to the tourney, and let's be honest, I've covered a tourney of every single one of these players before. You know, there's not a player that did a year that I wasn't there. I was there before, and we were there before them. We we are used to some of the big names in the league and showcasing it, and it's really fun. We've been in the Orleans the whole time, very familiar, for better or worse, with the crevices of that building. Um, and it'll be fun to go out with, uh, as as Vin Diesel would say, one last ride. First season, what what was your role? And what was that like that first season doing the WCC tournament? It was exciting because uh, we knew we were going into that league the next year. It was a venue that BYU had actually played in in 2007, four years prior, and beat Louisville. And I'm a young student sideline reporter, and BYU beat sixth-ranked Louisville, and I'm like, what is this place? What just happened? Very exciting. So my role that year was to host uh, the halftime show and then the show between games in a session. So they'll play sets of two, right? So you do you have six of these sort of, we call them the bridge shows. Now they're the tournament update. And I hosted it by myself, Cleon. Uh, back in the day, I would have loved to have what I have now, which is the amazing Tyler Hawes to help fill in that space. <laughs> but it is uh, awkward and silly to think that I was filling like 30 minutes of TV. It's one thing to do, okay, I can look down, I can look around and think, I have no teleprompter. I have no analyst. I just tried to make it work. Credit to our crew who was getting, you know, interviews and, and highlights and whatnot. But it was a challenge, uh, a fun challenge. And now we have so many nice toys to play with now. The guy in charge of all the nice toys is Dave Phillips Jr. He's the supervising senior producer for BYU TV. Junior, as he's called around the office, is one of the first guys on site Monday, three days before the games begin. He needs to make sure that everything is in order before the rest of the on-air and off-air staff start showing up. But his work on the tourney started months prior to this version of March Madness. We started talking about it back in August and, and kind of getting everything ready, getting, um, I guess, logistics set up, you know, signing contracts that we want to do this. And then... We still, we, we continue to communicate throughout the entire, from, from about August on, and we make sure that everything is taken care of. We've thought of everything this year. We've moved our bridge show set and halftime set down right next to the court. And so it was making sure that all of that was going to work, making sure that um, everything, everything was in place. So we, we have talks in February. I came out to do a site survey. This is exactly where we're putting everything and just making sure that we had all that we needed. We had the right internet speed. We had power to the right locations and that we were ready to go. Any concerns with putting that set right next to the court with like either the teams or the conference or anyone else like that like they're like eh, I'm not sure I want to I want to do that I, I I'm, I'm afraid it's going to interfere with people warming up or the end of games or I, I don't know I was there any uh, thought there that maybe it's not great to put your set like right next to the court or near the court I guess I should say 
Um, you know, actually, it was the conference's idea. They love the idea of access and being there and being a part, the energy. Um, we've previously had our court up on the or our set up on the third level. And you could see the court, but you were a little disconnected. So they came to me with the idea of doing it. And I said, OK, I'm, I'd love to do it. I'm excited to do it. But what we're going to need to do is um, we're going to have to have power. We're going to have to have this much space. We're going to have to have this much height, but still not blocking seats. And so we kind of conceptually drew it up. And then in February, we came and did measurements and to see. And then now I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. Um, it will be near a band, uh, but we've talked with our audio people to make sure that that's good and that you'll still be able to hear the talent. Um, but I think it's going to bring people really close to the action. You're right there. You can see what's going on. It'll be easier to get players to do interviews after the game. Um, so we're really excited about it. It's There's a lot of logistics and making sure and it's it's back far enough next to the media that it won't interfere in any play or anything but you know the lights are the lights going to bother players and everything but we we think we've got everything worked out so that it won't be an issue and it'll just add to the excitement of the tournament so the last three years we have been in provo for the studio coverage halftimes and the show between games this year we are back in New Orleans, which is exciting for me. I, I honestly, I was like, I'm fine not going down now. Little separation's fine for the crew because they're just slammed doing four games, two days in a row. No, we're going back, so um, it will still be produced out of Provo. But uh, just so when it goes to halftime, that's Tyler and I from from the Orleans, and we will be near the court. Our set was always kind of on the third floor, way up, great view looking down. But now we're right there, which would be cool. Now we can get a little more access. Hopefully it's, you know, game ends, roll out, take a break, and then we are on recapping the game, and then as soon as we can get someone, they, they may let them go to the locker room, then come over. So not a true kind of sideline situation. But we might get, like, the number three most interesting person there. They'll probably send the top two to the press conference. But it'll be fun to just talk to somebody. And then, of course, we'll, we'll talk to the commish. We'll talk to so-and-so's dad who played in the NBA. We'll talk to former... WCC great so-and-so who will come over who are you like oh I didn't know they went to Santa Clara or whatever um, it, it'll be fun and uh, for BYU fans that want to consume that content great we realize they may not have watched BYU TV a single time they might not know who we are but hey we're on a regional sports network in LA and Portland depending on the matchup and BYU TV and the WCC network so it's quite the uh, operation but it's fun to kind of be ready for that it's, it's a lot of info but it feels like I'm back in school and I'm cramming for a test, but I can have a sheet out with some of the answers that I've prepped already. Preparation will be a common theme. Hours before BYU and Portland played their final regular season game at the Marriott Center, game producer Harrison Collier was busying himself with tournament preparations. Harrison was overseeing all the men's games for the first couple of days. He was pouring over information about the first game, which was San Diego and Portland. That should be an interesting matchup because you've got... San Diego, they've um, kind of under—I don't know if I would say underperformed—but they're lower than what they usually are in the tournament. And then Portland has been plagued with injuries. They'd had a couple of key upsets early in the season, and then all of a sudden, they're 
injuries have lowered them. Okay, so it's it's Monday morning. You're already telling me about this. How much more preparation are you going to do on these two teams before that game tips off? Um, a lot. I'm. It's going to be kind of like a crash course for finals, where <laughs> like if you haven't really studied these teams um, all season, which I've studied enough for when we did those games. We did the Portland game, but that was December 31st, and so now it's February 27th, and things have completely changed in that Portland program. Um, we had not seen San Diego all season. So this is more of a um, huge brain dump of just trying to gather whatever information, whatever stats that I can. Um, and then the next, you know, 48 hours, I'm pouring over game notes, um, any hist- historical records and stuff to get ready for that first game and then I'm also doing that with Pepperdine and Pacific and the hard thing is is Pacific I've seen um, and produced so that will be a little easier Pepperdine because of schedules and stuff I didn't get to do that game so now I'm kind of doing another crash course and trying to learn that team. Harrison sounded a bit like a coach when talking about producing back-to-back games on the same day don't look ahead to the second game until the first game is done. But he had a few days to prepare for those first two games. So when does he put together all the information necessary for day two? Not long after day one is complete. What I will do is I will carry a lot of the graphics over from Thursday night um, over to the next ones. And then whatever I don't get done for prep for BYU or San Francisco um, on Wednesday... I, it is a very late night on Thursday. So as soon as we finish, um, usually we'll finish about 10.30 um, Pacific time. I'll go back, grab a bite to eat, go back to the hotel, and then I'm finishing all my graphics and stuff that, that night um, and getting all the video ready. And so probably I won't get to bed till like 1.30, 2 in the morning just to get ready for game for night two. Harrison has to be at the arena early enough the next morning to make sure everything is ready to roll before the women tip off at noon on Friday. The 16-hour workday is real. Coming up next, reflections on tournaments gone by. Welcome back to Behind the Mic. As the production crew was packing up gear after the BYU women's team lost to Portland at the Marriott Center on Monday, I sat down with the two announcers, Spencer Linton and Kristen Kozlowski, who would also be calling many of the women's games for this tourney. Well, the first game will actually be on Thursday against the 8-9 matchup. That's St. Mary's and Pepperdine. While I was chatting with Kristen, the WCC updated the bracket after BYU's loss. The bracket now showed that Pepperdine would now be playing Santa Clara and St. Mary's would be playing Loyola Marymount. So not only was Kristen a day behind prepping for the conference tournament because of the postponed game, she now had to think about new matchups between different teams. But Kristen, a former BYU basketball player herself, said she's been scouting these teams all season long as they've come through Provo. It's been nice to be able to go throughout the season and call these these games as they come in and play in Provo because it just gets me familiar with these teams. I'm able to talk to the coaches, get very familiar. But then you always have to go at the very end as you're going into the WCC tournament and update your stats and update maybe who's out or who's back from injury and what they're doing, what runs they're going on, things like that. So I'm, I'm already familiar with what St. Mary's does. Obviously, Bamberger's 
of being inside that uh, gives people problems and fits in the paint. And then they've got great shooters. Tacey Weeden, one of the best shooters in the conference. And then you look at Pepperdine. Pepperdine's been a little banged up. They've been without their head coach, Kristen Dowling, uh, and so been with an interim head coach. But they've bought into what Brian Rosario wants them to do, and they're doing a good job right now of moving the basketball and sharing the load offensively. You go back and watch any, even just briefly, any video of these teams when they played since you know, or have you been doing that leading up to the tournament too? I do do that leading up to the tournament, and if there's any question in my mind of, of possibly what they did against each other, if I can find those games, I'll go back and, and watch those online. Um, but I don't have a ton of time to go back and watch now. We're down to a couple days and hours, you know, preparing for those first games coming on Thursday. And so um, just updating a lot of the notes, reading a lot of, you know, on their websites and looking up player information is where I spend most of my time. Kristen is super busy on the first day of the tournament. The first game's at noon, uh, Vegas time, Pacific time. Then I'll get there about 10 o'clock and just kind of gather notes that they'll have in the media room or just kind of set my mind, watch the teams warm up. If I get a chance, I'll talk to the coaches before the games, just to kind of get their last thoughts on game plan and matchups going in. And then we'll call the two women's games and then the men's games that night, but typically we'll eat lunch together and I'm always coming back for the men's games. Um, I won't be doing anything for the men's game, particularly this year, but I will be there and be studying up more for my women's games following on Friday. How much does that wear on you though? I mean, the long days of being at the arena and setting up on these teams? I think initially when we started this, you know, all those years ago for the WCC tournament, it, it wore you down and, and it was a lot, right? A lot to handle. But um, at this point, most of us are used to it, especially the team, the crew of broadcasters that we have going down. We're used to it. We know what to expect. We know how to be efficient because um, we've done it for so long. And so it doesn't wear on me as much as it does um, once you're in it, you're just excited. The matchups are good. It's always good basketball, and that's what I love. You know, you can prepare and prepare, but at the end of the day, we're just calling a game. And so you get there, and you just let the game play out, and it speaks for itself how exciting it is for the fans and the audience to watch and see who's going to end up being the WCC title. Meanwhile, Spencer was going to arrive in Vegas a little bit later than the others. BYU, per the norm, will open up on vault. He still had to call the final BYU gymnastics meet with Mikkel Markley. But I chose this. I remind myself often, you chose this, Spencer. You wanted to do this. This is your profession. And, and you're just going to have busier weeks. And sometimes things are out of your control, like this whole Monday scenario that pushed everything back. Um, but, I'll, I mean, you get through it. That's probably the most challenging part about my specific job at BYU is compartmentalizing the different sports and shows that I have to do and just kind of... As cliche as it sounds, be where your feet are. Take your mind there. Be in the moment. Because um, I don't want to short gymnastics on Wednesday when they're in their final meet of the season and they're at the Marriott Center and they're battling for a regional spot. Like, I need to – I owe them, you know, the courtesy of going there with full energy and, and full preparation. And then BYU Sports Nation the same way. People tune in to watch for an overview of all BYU sports. And I can't be like – hey, but let's talk about the 8-9 matchup on the West Coast Conference women's basketball side because I'm calling that game on Thursday morning. You know, it yeah. just, uh, you, you got to compartmentalize and then open up each box as you come to it. Let's be honest. You know, we all know that Mikkel Merkley is really just going to take over gymnastics on Wednesday and you're just going to be like, Mikkel, take over and I'm just going to make sure, you're going to make sure she, she does a good job. She may or may not have like a $50 stipend headed her way over Venmo. <laughs> <laughs> As a precursor to me uh, having her carry more of uh, the heavy lifting verbally on Wednesday, well, I kid. Like I'll I'll go there with her, but she does an amazing job. Wow! Great set, great.
Great landing. That was oh, a and Spencer and Jerem Jordan would also host BYU Sports Nation on Thursday and Friday morning. Next on BYUSN, welcome to the Vegas Bayou. Back at the Orleans It is grinding Arena physically, emotionally, mentally, uh, spiritually, all of the above. It, it is, uh, I think those are the two toughest days of the entire year in terms of what it takes to be great those two days. But honestly, I look forward to the prep that goes into that, the challenge that is that. Because trust me, when it's like May 22nd, the challenge is what are we going to talk about? It's not, can I bring it today? It's like, well, this is all we're doing. Um, so it's exciting. It's exciting to be somewhere else. It's exciting to be a part of the tournament. There's sort of a buzz in the air when it's term- It's kind of quiet. We're going to be over near courtside, um, which would be interesting because there'll be some shoot-arounds. <laughs> so we'll hear the ball bouncing around. They'll be like, what are you doing? Um, I'm looking forward to it. it. It's an exciting thing every year. Is it is it tough? Is it hard? Absolutely. But uh, listen, we are ready for this challenge uh, all year for something like this. Supervising sports producer Dave Phillips Jr.'s main job is to make sure that Everything goes smoothly so that stress levels are at a minimum. If there's an issue with where a camera is placed or something that's going on, something that's happening in the broadcast, kind of floating around and making sure everything's working and then putting out fires as needed. Um, we've, we've got a lot of moving parts where we have a halftime shows on a different set that are being cut from Provo, but with cameras here at the Orleans. Um, we also have where we'll do half times, a bridge show in between games. Uh, so we're on the air all the time and just making sure everything's good. So we're sending out to 12 different other network affiliates all of these games. So coordinating with them, making sure everyone's got a signal and everything's good. Um, I found in years past, if I've been tied down with producing, it's harder to put out those fires when you're in the middle of a live game. So I'm just making sure everything's working. Um, so the hope is I'm not that busy, but that never really <laughs> happens. And so it'll be good. Even with the 16-hour days and hours upon hours of homework the crew puts in prior to the tournament to provide a professional product, most everyone is going to miss broadcasting the WCC tourney. The thing I'm going to miss most about covering this tournament is the relationships with the people um, with whether it's the West Coast Conference or the teams, you get to know these coaches really well. Um, we do interviews with them. You get to know them, and it's amazing how grateful that they are for our coverage of the tournament. And I've gotten really close to a lot of the women's coaches. I'm, you know, we just finished our broadcast against Portland, and the Pacific head coach was texting me throughout the broadcast. You know, and so I've developed really close personal relationships with these coaches. Have a lot of respect. For what they're doing in each of their programs it's kind of fun to do this tournament for the fact that you know you're you're starting off march, march madness like because conference tournaments lead into the big dance and the winners go get an automatic bid and so it, it's been fun to get to know these teams jerem jordan was the only one who was ready to move on to the big 12 I, mainly because we've known since september of yeah. 21 so i've kind of you know emotionally uh, prepared for this. But, yeah, it's exciting um, to kind of go out on a high note and, uh, from a production standpoint. Hopefully the teams do well uh, for BYU, and, and uh, we'll, we'll be there to cover it, win or loss. But uh, it will be nice to just kind of watch the one men <laughs> and the one women's game um, and still do BYU Sports Nation. I mean, that'll, that'll always be there. The group had no problem sharing fond and funny memories of broadcasting in Sin City. For Jerem, he laughs at the time BYU basketball 
wanted them to be quiet on air while BYU was shooting free throws during practice. We didn't really sync up on this idea. And we are not going to whisper. So we are talking on the third floor. It is resonating throughout the arena, the 10,000 seat gym there at the Orleans. They were not pleased with us talking during that, but we did not have a good communication about how that was going to go down. So the next couple years, we moved the studio stuff to Provo, like I mentioned. So I'm here, Spencer's there, and we're live while it's going on. So what we do is Spencer lays out and whispers, and then I also whispered to carry us through the drama of BYU shooting free throws. Junior said it's infuriating when coaches unplug a microphone at the scorer's table, thinking someone is spying on them. But Junior has made his mistakes too. By your eighth game, by Friday night, you've done eight games in two days, very little sleep, you're tired, your brain, you're forgetting who's who sometimes and what's going on. And I can remember I was drawing and there was a feature with a flame. And I, for some reason, decided it would be funny to show a guy, I can't even remember who it was, but he would always race up and down on fast breaks. And so I showed kind of his path and I put a flame behind him. And I can remember the executive producer at the time looking at me and going, really? And then realizing how silly that was and went, oh, sorry. (laughs) For producer Harrison Collier and Spencer Linton, their fond memory was a game that didn't involve BYU. Here's Spencer. Portland, two years ago, right before COVID hit, they shocked nationally ranked Gonzaga with uh, a last-second shot by their point guard, Haley Andrews, put him up one. Gonzaga heaved up uh, a shot just beyond half court that was close but didn't go in, and I'll never forget the call. I didn't realize what I was saying in the moment, but it just happened, and when I went back and watched it, I, I said something to the effect of Portland stuns Gonzaga and advance to the West Coast Conference Tournament Final. This is March. Andrews 7 and 6-5. Andrews through the defense. Scores! Haley Andrews gives the Pilots a lead with three to play. Loetta across midcourt at the buzzer. No good. Down go the Zags. This is March. And that call and just being in the moment has, has kind of stuck with me. That was a really fun moment. This is March? This is March. This is March? This is March. Yeah, I can't quite pull it off. But at least enjoy one more broadcast with great analysis. I think Gonzaga's the clear favorite. And then you look at Portland, and they can be a very scary team as well. I mean, they've had success throughout. And even the some random facts. Okay, Liz Smith is a, is a women's basketball player in the league whose dad, Kevin Smith, uh, was a three-time Super Bowl champ of the Cowboys. Because this is the last time BYU TV is broadcasting the tournament for the WCC. Thanks again to Kristen Kozlowski, Dave Phillips Jr., Harrison Collier, Spencer Linton, and Jerem Jordan for participating in this episode. Download and subscribe to Behind the Mic wherever you find podcasts, or listen to all episodes on the BYU Radio app. Behind the Mic is a production of BYU Radio.